0: You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena, the parochial vicar of St. Anne's Parish in Butte, Montana, and chaplain of Butte Central Catholic Schools. Enjoy. In my undergraduate studies, I, I chose to study almost exclusively with pre-med girls. I did it because they were the most regimented and focused students at Carroll. They were reliable, they were goal-oriented. They never complained about their workload like everyone else. And when I was studying with them, I couldn't get off track because it would break their focus and they would get angry. And they also loved coffee and Thai food and always had healthier snacks on hand. So it made the study sessions a little more tolerable. I'd say my best friend amongst them was a girl who had for her entire life, wanted nothing but to be a doctor. That was her goal, as long as she could remember. And she was totally dedicated. And she was in college athletics, she worked nights as an EMT, and still held a 4.0, which is a difficult thing. And for those of you who have kind of been in the world of applying for med school these days, it's, the competition's just absurd, and the stress involved in the application process is crazy. It's like SEAL training, the amount of psychological stress that people go through. So after spending her whole life like hyper-focused on this one thing, she took the MCAT and didn't get the score she needed to get into med school. Then she took it again and didn't get the score. And then a third time, still not good enough. So she'd come to the end of her senior year, and med school's not an option at the moment. And she decided instead to take an opportunity that was given to spend the year in Calcutta, India, serving with the Missionaries of Charity, the, the order that Mother Teresa had founded. She got over there and she was confronted by the poorest people in the world, the poorest of the poor, and realized that she loved them. And it changed her life definitively. So she came back, with a totally different perspective, an openness to the poor that she didn't have before, and a and a realization of kind of what life's actually about, she took the MCAT without any preparation, got a thirty, and every med school in the nation wanted to have her in their school. I, I tell this story as a sort of lesson in prayer that when that we can so easily become sort of hyper focused on A single outcome as the best possible life for us and then we focus all of our prayer on that outcome and we ask God for that assuming that we know full well what's best for us in our life and that if God loves me he's going to make this happen and if this doesn't happen that means God's abandoned me God however is the only one who actually knows what our best life is or or the best possible thing for us. And so he has a totally different outlook on our life. So for my college friend, he knew that if he had granted her deepest desire, she wouldn't have been happy because she first needed to learn that powerful lesson of love and self-sacrifice that she learned from the poor. So I think this brings us to the the gospel today and and the widow's relentless pursuit of justice. Luke gives us the lesson of the parable before the parable, which is a totally unique thing. He tells us that this parable that Jesus is about to say was about praying always without becoming weary. And it's obvious the judge in this story isn't God. It's, it's sort of an anti-God character. He's prideful and conceited and always looking for his own gain. And the widow is well aware of it, so she, so she assails him with, with this demands for justice in her case. And it's only when the man's vanity overcomes his pride that he finally gives her justice. He's afraid that this widow is going to come up to him and hit him in public and embarrass him in front of his friends. So he finally gives her a just ruling. I think there's a, there's a couple of important points here for us to consider. First, this old woman, all she wants is a just decision. She doesn't want any particular decision. She doesn't demand a particular outcome from this judge. She just wants justice. And, and also she's relentless in her pursuit of it, though it's very unlikely she's actually going to get it. I mean, judging by the character of this man, he's likely not going to give her a just ruling, but she's relentless in pursuing it anyways, even though she thinks there might be no hope. And finally, God makes very clear to us that this isn't the way the world works, that God's actually the judge, and he's nothing like this judge. If, if this old woman can prevail upon this horrible man, then how much more will our prayer, prayers prevail upon a God who is perfectly loving and perfectly just? So we're called to, pre- to pray without growing weary that, that God might work his will in our lives that we might be open to that. Because if we seek something from God in prayer and it doesn't happen right away, then we keep praying. And if it continues to not happen, then we ask the Lord, why? Does he have something different planned for us? Does he have something better planned for us than, we, than what we wanted? There's a reason why he isn't answering our prayers and he will reveal that reason to us. And our attitude matters in all this. We we have to be open to the idea that God's perfect plan may differ significantly from our plan for our lives. For a guide in this, I want to look to... So St. Ignatius of Loyola wrote, in in the Spiritual Exercises, which is basically a 30-day retreat that all Jesuits would go on in their training and formation as Jesuits, the very beginning he has what's called the first principle and foundation. And the first principle and foundation is a guide to how we ought to live our life and how we ought to pray. And we don't have time to go through the whole thing here. You really spend like three days on it in the retreat. But I want to look at basically the last line of it. And in that, Ignatius is talking about sort of abandoning ourselves to God's will. And he says this, As far as we're concerned, we should not prefer health to sickness, riches to poverty, Honor to dishonor. A short life, or a long life to a short life. And the same holds for all other things. That's a difficult prayer. To pray that we could be indifferent to those things, those are what we consider the most important things. Like for me, maybe riches and poverty, I don't really mind that. You know, long life, short life, if I die young, it's not a huge deal. But I am attached to my health. You know, it's like, if I'm going to die young, I want it to be quick. That's kind of my attitude. <laughs> but but the, that's what Flannery O'Connor always said. I think I could be a martyr as long as it was quick. You know, uh, so the, but I'm, I'm attached to my health. And I think I'm also attached to people's opinions of me. I think all of us, amongst those things, are we, are we indifferent? That's a difficult thing to want to be indifferent in those things. And not indifferent that we don't care, but that whatever the Lord wants for us, is what we want. That's a difficult thing. But when I look at the saints, I realize that most of the saints had terrible health. They had horrible struggles with health during their life. Most of them were poor. Some of them by their own will, but also some of them were just poor. And most of them lived short lives. So the greatest lives that have ever been lived were mostly poor, sick, short lives. So who am I to demand a long healthy and comfortable life from the Lord. And am I and am I sure that that's actually the better way? That that's actually the better life? So our demands from God ought to be His love and His grace. And that that's enough. And if we have that, then, then we can take p- part in His plan, willingly. And trust His plan. You know, that it doesn't mean we can't pray for specific things. We have to. We have to be totally honest with the Lord about what our desires are, but then open ourselves up to what His are. So if we pray without growing weary, uh, and we do so with an openness to what God has in store, then we will have Him. And that, in the end, is the only thing that matters, is to have the Lord. If I have Christ as my friend, then a cancer diagnosis goes from a sort of life-destroying judgment to an opportunity To show the world how to suffer joyfully, which is something we just don't see often enough anymore. There's a young woman named Chiara Badano. She was diagnosed with bone cancer when she was 16 years old, and she, when when she heard the diagnosis, her answer was, "It's for you, Jesus. If you want it, I want it too." She lived with that bone cancer for four years and died. So she died when she was 20 years old. And four years with bone cancers. Brutal. It's one of the most painful cancers. Uh, she's a blessed, about to be made a saint. Beautiful life. That, that really revolutionized her town and everyone who knew her. Because she showed them how to suffer with the Lord. So I think we, we need to live our lives seeking that union with the Lord. We pray knowing that that's the only road to joy. And all that matters, that we're relentless in pursuing what the Lord wants. That one thing. You know, the first reading's it's kind of fascinating. It, it says that as long as Moses kept his hands raised up, Israel had the better of the fight. It wasn't like there wasn't a fight at all. It just says that Israel had the better of the fight as long as Moses kept his hands raised. So as long as we're... Never going to give up in our prayer, as long as we keep relentlessly pursuing the Lord in our prayer. Even, even if our lives are mysterious and confusing and the suffering that we face, then we will surely have the better of the fight.